Well, thank you, Janice, wherever she is, uh, for the songs this morning. Every song had something in it that had a bearing on what I'm sharing, Janice. So thank you for the songs. Um, oh, this, is it too high, this? No? Okay. Um, if you want to give it a title this morning, I could say you can call it Connecting or Reconnecting with God. And I want to give an example of four people in the scriptures who had to have this connecting or reconnecting experience. And the first one, and most of them are very well-known stories to you, the first one is the Apostle Peter. And Peter, well, you know what he was like. He could be quite impulsive, quick to speak, quick to act, And the famous verse in Matthew 16, verse 16, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus promised him, I will give you the keys, the keys to open and close, the keys of the kingdom. Like I said, he was impulsive. He was the one that walked on the water. He was bold and courageous, but quick to sink as well. He was the one who would say, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seventy times. Seven times? And you know, Jesus said 70 times seven. If everybody else leaves you, I won't leave you. I'm quite a good guy. I'm your man. Then in Luke 22, Jesus said, Simon, Peter, Satan has decided to sift you like the wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And once you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. And what does Peter reply? Lord, not me. I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die for you. I'm your man. Of course, Jesus reminded him, Peter, you're not quite sure who you are. You don't quite know yourself yet. The spirit may be willing, but your flesh is weak. And he told him of his denial three times. And Jesus, then the cross happened. When Peter denied Jesus three times, he realized what Jesus had said. And I think in his own estimation, he was taken down a peck or two. And he went out and wept bitterly, thinking to himself, What have I just said? What have I just done? Denying the one that promised so much. His kingdom on earth. And I thought I was going to have a plan with him at his side. And now I denied him. What a fool I am. Then when the cross happened and the resurrection, the angel said to Mary, who was at the grave, Go and tell my disciples, And Peter, tell Peter, I'll meet you in Galilee. So when the disciples went to Galilee, and Jesus wasn't there straight away, it was Peter again that said, well, what do we do now? I'm going fishing. (laughs) So he went fishing, and the other guys with him, there were about seven in total, they worked again the whole night in vain, didn't catch any fish. And then they saw this 
this person, this guy standing on the shore. They weren't quite sure it was because there was a bit of a distance. We said, have you got any fish, boys? And they said, no, nothing. Waste of time. And uh, we said, well, throw out your net on the other side. And of course, at that point, all the fish came and John said, it is the Lord. And Peter again, impulsive, jumped overboard, swam to the sea. And, and here, there was a barbecue. Jesus had arranged some sort of fire, and there was bread, and there was fish, and he said to Peter, go, go back and help them, bring some more fish. You know, and over fellowship with the Lord or with anybody, you can get to know them a bit better. And I wonder what has been going on in Peter's mind. Is he going to say something? Is he going to tell me off? He didn't say, call the disciples, said disciples and Peter. Maybe I'm no longer one of his disciples. Maybe he will tell me, you can't be part of my inner circle anymore. Maybe, maybe. All sorts of thoughts must have been going on in Peter's mind. And then when Jesus said, Peter, I want to ask you something. I wonder what Peter thought. Is he going to tell me off? And right there in the middle of his brothers, not in some private, out-of-the-way little corner, but in the middle of his brothers, his the other disciples, Jesus said, I want to talk to you. And Peter's heart must have sank. Hope, trepidation, fear, anxiety, we don't know. And Jesus didn't say, Peter, what have you done? Because the cross has happened. And when Jesus said, you forgive 70 times 7, or indefinite, Jesus had taken Peter's failure upon himself, carried it on the cross, and he was not ready to dish out condemnation to Peter, but forgiveness. Because Peter, uh, Jesus knew Peter's heart. So he asked Peter, what's in your heart? Do you really love me? And that was not what Peter expected at that point. And he said, yes, you know, you know I care for you. And Jesus repeated it three times as if to negating the three denials he'd done. And he was restored. And Jesus told him, when you are restored, go and strengthen your brothers. This happened over a barbecue, over fellowship, being restored back into Jesus' presence. And Peter was the one that later on could say in 1 Peter 1 verse 7, faith gets tested by fire. But when it's tested, it will be more precious than gold, and it gives glory to God. Peter had learned this lesson that not in his own strength, in his own brilliant ideas, in his own boldness, he had to learn that not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit, that he could bring glory to God. The other person is Mary. Many sermons have been preached about Mary and Lazarus and Martha. And there's the story in John 12, verse 1 to 8, where again they've arranged the dinner. Jesus was there and all the disciples. Martha was busy as usual, ready, preparing a meal. It's a bit like Christmas all over, isn't it? You're busy preparing a meal, and uh, somebody asks, can I help? No, I'll be okay. <laughs> and you're thinking, why does nobody help me? <laughs> so, 
Martha was serving, and then Mary again, she came with something was very precious, a flask of perfume, expensive perfume. And she knelt at Jesus' feet and poured out this extravagant love, basically. Why? Why did she do that? Well, I think she had a lot to be thankful for. She was so grateful to the Lord because before, something else happened in Mary and Martha's and Lazarus' life. Lazarus died. Before that, Mary had sat at Jesus' feet and Martha again was saying, telling the Lord, don't you care that she doesn't help me? Tell her. Tell her off. Tell her to come help me. And you know what Jesus said, there is a time for serving, but there's a time for sitting at my feet. And Mary's chosen that. So Mary sat at Jesus' feet. She was all devoted to him. She she was absorbed in him. She hang on every word. And then Lazarus' death happened. They were convinced Jesus had done so many miracles, he surely would come when they asked him. But he didn't. For four days... Mary was hoping Jesus would turn up. And when he didn't, well, she was struck by grief and not understanding. Then when Jesus finally turned up, it was Martha who ran out to him and confronted himself. (laughs) If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus talked about the resurrection. Yeah, I believe that one day, you know, the end of days, resurrection will happen. But then she went back to Mary. He was sitting at home. And she said, the Lord calls you. He calls you, Mary, to come and meet with him. Why did Mary not go straight away when Martha went? I think she was so disappointed. She was so disillusioned. What's the point now of him coming now? Lazarus is dead. That's the end of it. There's no point. And sometimes we can be like that. We can have things we hoped for. We can have our dreams dashed. We can have disappointments. We have times of unanswered prayer. Maybe you didn't get the job you wanted. Maybe your house sale fell through. Maybe... The friendship was lost. Maybe a loved one died. And you have prayed and prayed and fasted and fasted and prayed and prayed. We did that once in the church a few years ago with John Hammerson's wife, uh, Sue, who had cancer. And the church was praying together for six weeks. Every evening from six till nine, well, the church was open at that time, And um, we were convinced God would heal her. And John even phoned when they were on holiday in the Lake District, keep up the prayer, it's working. And two weeks later, Sue died. How do you react? You know, my faith took a nosedive. I didn't understand. I said, God, why? And it took me nearly two years to get back fully into the presence of God. Because of discouragement, because of disillusionment. But you know, deep down, I believe God loved us. 
and there's always a yearning to get back into the presence. So when, when Martha said to Mary, Mary, Jesus is calling you, she had a choice. She could say, I don't want to know. You know, and there are many Christians who fall away because somebody they prayed for and were convinced God would answer their prayer didn't happen. They died. Or other things happened and the prayers were unanswered and they didn't understand and say, I don't want to know anymore. And the faith takes a nosedive or becomes non-existent. And they walk away. There's always a choice. How do I react? Mary didn't know at that point that Lazarus was going to be resurrected. But she took a place at Jesus' feet. In her grief, she finds his feet. It's a place of humility, of submission. And like Martha said, Lord, if you had been here. But she probably said it in a sad voice. Lord, why didn't you come? But even now, I love you. I sit at your feet. You know, and when you humble yourself and sit at Jesus' feet, you touch his heart. The miracle didn't happen when Martha confronted him and argued with him and said, why didn't you come? This wouldn't have happened. You've done so many miracles. Why not this time? But Mary, in her brokenness and grief, sat at his feet and it touched his heart. And Jesus came to heal the broken heart. He came to mend broken lives. And Jesus did a miracle. But at the same time, Hebrews 11, you know the chapter, most of you will know Hebrews 11, it talks about all the great exploits by people of faith. The subdued armies, they, well, you read it for yourself, they did marvelous things. But the last few verses says, but some, they came to approval because of their faith, but they did not receive what they prayed for, what they asked for, what they hoped for something better was waiting for them. And sometimes we don't know what God doesn't answer prayer. But Peter would say, I think it was Peter, could have been Paul, said, I'm convinced that the sufferings of this life faint into nothingness compared to the glory that will be revealed over us in eternity. This life is so brief and short compared to eternity and if God doesn't wipe the tears from your eyes right now because of unanswered prayer, one day he will wipe away the tears from our eyes. Job, Job in chapter 1 and 2. He was a righteous man before God, but disaster struck. One after another, like to say, the proverbial bus comes not, not, none in an hour, and then you get three at once. Well, several times disaster happened. His cattle was stolen, uh, his harvest was gone, and on one dreadful day, all his ten children were killed. You know what it said? What would you say? God, I don't care anymore. I don't want to know you. This all from your hand, I thought you were a good God. And now this happened. It said, Job, Job knelt down and he worshipped. And then in chapter 2, his own health was, was attacked. Not by God, but Satan had asked to sift him. Like he asked Jesus to have permission to sift the faith of Peter. Here Satan asked permission to sift the faith of Job. 
and in chapter 2 when his own health deteriorated. And nobody wanted to know him. His wife even said to him, you still hang on to this God of yours? Curse him and die. And Job would say, you speak foolishness. You speak foolishness. And he held on to his integrity. And when you read through the whole lot of Job, all his friends who accused him falsely and said, you must have deserved this for all this suffering to happen to you. At the very end, God told Job to pray for his friends. When he asked for forgiveness, they prayed for his friends. And once he had prayed, God restored him. If he held on to his anger, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But he prayed and it was restored. And Job as well could say, I know that once I'm tried and tested, I will come forth as gold, like Peter said. Going back to Mary. Mary, because of that, of the resurrection, her joy at what had happened, she was extravagant in her love. But you know, there was somebody who criticized that. The disciples around, or some other people. Why she have to do that? I remember once in a little choir, a long time ago, there was a guy in that choir who was a new Christian. And while they were singing some Christian songs, everybody was standing like that. But this guy was happy and smiling and, you know. And some people criticized that, saying, why does he have to make an exhibition of himself? It's not necessary. But he with, with Mary, you know, extravagant love. Because God had touched her heart. It reminds me of the story of, of uh, David when the ark was brought back. The ark represented the presence of God. When he got back in the presence of God, he was so overjoyed. He was leaping and dancing with all his might. He couldn't care less who saw him. He even stripped off his, his kingly robes because he said, it's not me being a king. It's being in the presence of God. And that restored his joy. And he couldn't care less how foolish he looked. But there was criticism of his wife, Michael. And she said, how foolish you look to do it like that. But you know, her life afterwards was barren. And we, we can be so shy, timid, that we are afraid to express our love and our joy to God. Some people say, I want to raise my hand, but I can't because I'm worried what everybody else around me might think. Or maybe I won't jump up and down, but you're held back because of <clears throat> what do other people think. And maybe you've never experienced the joy of the presence of the Lord. When his presence draws near, you know, the way to enter in the gates is through worship. Like Job did, he worshipped in the midst of his troubles. Like Mary at the feet of Jesus, we can worship in God's presence and we can express ourselves. I was When I was at home and I was uh, watching some YouTube videos, much to Mike's uh, uh, annoyance, <laughs> I put on some uh, Nigerian worship. And uh, they were singing and dancing and when Mike was out of the room, I was singing and dancing and leaping for joy with it. I probably won't do it here, so don't worry. 
But, you know, the joy they, they expressed, you know, to be in the presence of God. The other one is called the Shulamite. Who, you say? <laughs> it's actually in the Song of Songs. And it's not a book we often read. But every book in the Bible points to Jesus in one way or another. Well, in chapter 3 and 5, and this is a story of a bridegroom and his bride. The Shulamite, the bride, was dreaming. And in a dream, her beloved had gone had disappeared. And she would not rest until she finds him again. And she said, when I find him, I was holding on to him, just like Mary at Jesus' feet. And I would not let him go. And then chapter 5, she's awake, and the bridegroom is standing at the door, knocking, saying, let me in, I want to spend time with you. And she had excuses. And sometimes when God is knocking on the door of our heart, we offer some sort of excuse. I'm watching a film now, you have to wait. <laughs> and and we do that, yeah. Or I'm busy now, or I don't feel like it. And sometimes God says, come and have some fellowship with me. And we have excuses. Same with this woman, this, this bride. But in the end, she regretted it. And she said, no, I'll go and let him in. But the moment it passed, and he was gone. She went searching for him. That fellowship had been broken. And it says she got attacked by by watchers, by men in the street that taken the shawl of her. She got stripped of her dignity. She got wounded. You know, at that point she was vulnerable to the enemy's attack. If we suffer our relationship with Jesus, we are we are susceptible to the enemy's attack. And John says the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. It says, you'll seek me and you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. It's not just, where are you? And he comes. Sometimes it's a seeking. There is a time involved. There is an intention to get to know back to him. And when she was looking for him, they said, the girls around said, who is your beloved? What is he like? What's so special about him? People can ask you, what's so special about you, Jesus? Who is your beloved? Who is your priority number one? Is it Jesus? Is it work? Is it children? Is it your house? Is it even your church? Ministry? Serving? What is your priority number one? Who is your priority number one? What is he like, you beloved? Can we say to people when they ask us, you're Christian, what's it all about? And my Jesus, he is, he's amazing. He's wonderful. He answered some prayers. He touched me. He He's Emmanuel, God with me. He's promised never to leave me or forsake me. That's what my Jesus is like. And I love him. And I follow him. 
And nothing and no one will stop me from doing that. Jacob would say, I will not let you go until you bless me. Sometimes we give up too quickly. But there's time. Sometimes we need to press in to lay hold of God like Mary did at Jesus' feet. There's Revelation 3 verse 20. Jesus knocks on the door. You know the story of the seven churches? In this last chapter, Jesus said, I'm standing at the door of your heart. Will you open the door to me so I can come in? And if you do, we'll have some fellowship. We'll have dinner together. He doesn't say that to unbelievers. He says that to the church, to you and me. And sometimes we can be like that church. Our our love has dwindled a bit. Our love has been put on the the back burner. And and, uh, we're not in love with Jesus anymore as we used to be. And Jesus said, you know, turn back to your first love. And sometimes, yes, it takes time to wrestle. It takes time to seek and to search and to hold on to him. And worship is the key. If you're low in your faith and you lack that joy in your life, put up a, a, a music tape, a, a worship tape, and join in. You know, as you enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, the joy will well up again and this well gets unblocked and you will experience that joy. And if you've never experienced that joy in his presence, maybe it's time you seek and search until he blesses you like Jacob did. And there's always a choice to make. When he knocks on the door of your heart to let him in, you can say no or you can say yes. And the last person I want to talk about is not a reconnecting, but a connecting for somebody for the first time. It's Zacchaeus, a well-known story. you find it in Luke 19. He was a tax collector, and he was despised by his fellow human beings because he worked for the enemy. But he'd heard about Jesus, and he was curious, and he wanted to know a bit more about it. And he was following the crowd where Jesus was, but from a distance. And to get closer, he climbed into this big tree. Surprise, surprise, Jesus knew he was there. And he called him by name, Zacchaeus. I want to have dinner with you. I want to have fellowship with you. And Zacchaeus had a choice as well. Do I want to be that close? to the presence of Jesus, or do I keep my distance? And Jesus said, today, today I want to be with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want you to get to know me today, because I know you already. I saw you in the tree, and I know your name. And Zacchaeus had a choice to make, yes or no. Hebrews Three says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. He knows your name. He's calling you. You have a choice. And as the music band comes forward again to sing that last song, 
verses, this old song that says, he is here, listen closely. You might say, what do you mean he is here? Well, Jesus said, but two or three are together, I'm in their midst. You may not see him, but by his spirit, he is here. And the song says, he is here, listen closely. He is here, calling out your name. He is here, you can touch him. And when you do, he'll never be the same. He is here, moving in our midst, turning lives around, changing destinies, healing broken hearts, wiping away tears, meeting every need, touching every heart, if you let him. And the response, I worship you.